Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Deep down, we all want to give back, to feel like we're making a difference in the lives of others. Stick around to find out one way that I make a difference. TeamSnap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. The spring sports season is just around the corner. Are you ready? Whether you're a coach running your team with the TeamSnap app, an admin using TeamSnap for business to manage your club or league, or a marketer looking to make noise in the youth sports space, TeamSnap has got you covered. Visit TeamSnap.com or download the TeamSnap app from your app store for more information. It's often the trademark of youth to be selfish. But the hope is, as you get older and wiser, you evolve and become selfless. One of the most meaningful ways I help others is to serve on the board of directors of the Sane Foundation. Our annual Gala for Goals is fast approaching and it's become one of my favorite nights of the year. We gather to raise money for all the foundation's amazing programs, to see old friends and make new friends, and of course, to celebrate the young people that we're impacting. I'm pleased that you've learned about the Sane Foundation's founder, to hear Tony's defining stories growing up and during his playing career. But in part three, we'll focus on how Tony started the foundation, what's keyed its incredible growth, and what compels Tony to keep working so hard. What are we waiting for? Let's get to it. After retiring, you returned to your college and you completed your degree. Why was that important for you to do? Well, I got a great opportunity as a Bush fellow that paid me to basically go and finish school. And it was also a chance for me to learn more about what I do, right? So community education, kind of nonprofit management. So it was an opportunity to keep growing as a person. But also it was a, it was good for me, I think, as an example to show people that it's never too late. And, you know, people think I'm a great fundraiser, but now I, you know, I can say, well, I've been in the school just, just now with you and learned the same things, right? So I not only know it experientially as doing it, like I know it academically and here's the paper to prove it and we do these things. So, and the other thing that was important to me, because I think there's some more learning that I want to do, right? And so there were some master's programs that I was looking at that I couldn't have access to without a bachelor's degree. And so, and that's really where, where I wanted. So in some sense, it's building your base in the fundamental. And the biggest challenge was like, what's the opportunity cost, right? You know, to go to school full-time while you're working full-time. But I got seven A's in my last seven classes. You know, in those 21 credits, I got more A's than I did in the other 100 credits in the previous 20 years. Uh, obviously, I know this story, but for our listeners, what inspired you to create the Sane Foundation? Tell me about that humble beginning, because I, I, I think that people sometimes forget it is a massive foundation that makes a huge impact in our community. But what was that first start? You know, I think I had to do something in soccer and I just knew that, that I could. And, you know, I did soccer clinics with a young girl, like started doing these. And then I did some anti-racist workshops and and I knew that I could have more of an influence. So and so it wasn't about soccer. It was really about like what I should be doing in the community. And the nonprofit experience was a vehicle for me to donate money, give back. And then the more I learned about 
it and what I wanted to do. And after being more intentional, I'm realizing like it wasn't soccer that I really cared about. It was like, how did soccer help me? And the things that it helped me could be reproduced outside of the soccer field as well. And so it was really about putting caring adults in front of kids. And that happened in schools and community centers on sports teams. So that's really how we started building programming. And, you know, I came back and, you know, what my last year playing in the Galaxy, I came back and I ran an overnight camp here. And it was interesting because on Saturday night, I played against Messi and then took a red eye home and started soccer camp on Sunday. And then I flew back Wednesday because I played against Inter Milan and Ronaldinho, like on Thursday, right? And so the kids in Minnesota got exposure to that too, right? Like they were getting real contact with some people that were in that world right now. And I realized I saw like how effective we were, what was happening to the kids and, you know, my competitiveness on wanting to do things better and good in detail made me believe that I could, I could do it. And, you know, after retiring, I was talking to a lady just about doing some stuff and she's like well why don't you just do this like go big and I'm like what do you mean you know and she's like well I'll help you and her name was Stephanie Dillon and she still supports us but you know a lot of people bought into the dream and I guess you know I gave ideas on what I wanted to do and community's been really behind it and it's been great to see it grow um there's been challenges but I look at the overall impact we're having on the community I think is pretty special I mean, this is not like hyperbole, but I mean, you are the most significant athlete from the Twin Cities in soccer, right? And we can say that about Joe Maurer in baseball, and we can say that about, well, maybe Dave Winfield in that conversation too. But we can talk about some of the great athletes in the different sports. Obviously, we got the Jalen Suggs and the Paige Beckers, you know, in basketball doing their thing right now. Chet Holmgren, obviously doing great. But what you've done with the foundation is just... I mean, it's absolutely incredible. I'm privileged, obviously, to be on the Sané Foundation board. And one of the things that I'm proudest of is like how the foundation just steps into gaps that exist in the community that maybe the people don't really know. And and I think that during COVID, when the foundation recognized that there was a massive need for food, we stepped into that void and did it very quickly to rally support and then to go to locations and provide food with no strings attached. Were you afraid to make a pivot like that? Because that's that's a whole different world from what you were doing before. And now that's been such an important continued thing that the Sané Foundation does. But does that scare you to, to make a shift like that? No. And I think, you know, people look at us and say, well, you do all these things. And I'm like, we actually only do one thing. We respond to the needs of the community. So if that's our mindset of like really building ourselves to respond to the needs of the community, that changes. And I think one of the reasons why we've been so successful is because we're great listeners and we we build community trust and we're delivering on, on what these needs are. And we understand that if we do it well, usually support follows. And so like I never got nervous like playing in the World Cup or in front of Barcelona. I got nervous playing in front of 5,000 people in Eastern Germany, right? Because like you're supposed to win. You can't do well. It's cold and, you know, but and the big thing, it's like you get to have fun and, and perform, right? And I think for us, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to help people. And so to be able to do it with conviction, with 100% effort and just have the responsibility and the trust to do that, to me, I'll always step up in, in a situation. And I always say like, 
there's no reason why you shouldn't give somebody directions, right? Because you may be saving a life, you might be saving some time. And so if we have the ability to help people, then we should. Approaching 100 staff members, raising over a million dollars at last year's Gallup for Goals, and the breadth of what the foundation is doing, it's all pretty amazing. But did you ever envision that this humble little foundation would ever become this large? You know, every year people say the same thing and we have that same question. And I tell people, well, if you got a couple hours, we can like map out, you know, all the dreams and then you would think I'm crazy. So I, we let enough out of the box where people think it's attainable. But, you know, the challenges in our community aren't going away overnight. We're really investing in the next generation and this one at the, at the same time. And we're doing things a little differently. So I did decide, you know, that I wasn't going to do this as a hobby. And that means, you know, going all in. And so just like being a soccer player, I don't know if I said I'm going to play on this team, but all our actions have been to build something that's bigger than all of us, including myself. And I think one thing I definitely want to share about you as a leader is that I think you're a true servant leader in that you are out there. You know, I, I know that you're pretty good about posting on social media. We obviously have a great social media team that, that shows what we're doing in the community. But I feel like we only shared like a quarter of that. I mean, there's just so many more times that you're at a community center, you're just popping by somewhere because you happen to be in the area. And I think those things go unnoticed, but I think that is so important, right? That, that you're not just showing up for the big ribbon cuttings and the keynote speeches, but that you're there for those food handouts and that you're there and not always just posting it for the social media likes. Well, I think we're authentic. And I think when I say we're listening, you can't listen if you're not there. So it's nice to go. And, and to be honest with you, like that is the best part of the job, right? Like I was, cameras have followed me around for 20 years. I was a pro athlete playing in the World Cup. So we don't need any more headshots or things like that. You know, it is our responsibility to promote the work because it brings in resources. And so we, so we do that. And, you know, we, you know, in actuality, you know, when you get credit for doing stuff, it helps you credibility. But the real reason why people are involved in sports or mentoring is because of the relationships with the kids, having the ability to coach, having the ability to be involved. I mean, those are the things that moves your heart and that makes you feel happy about your job. So whenever I get those opportunities, I'm glad that I can and that we built the organization to allow me sort of the freedom to be very hands-on at the grassroots level. Last two questions, always ask every guest. What's one message you have for youth sports parents today? You know, it's it's very cliche, but I would say, you know, well, I got a couple messages, but don't try to relive your life through your kids. I mean, that's just a simple one, but make sure kids are having fun, you're right? Make sure kids are having fun and make it about a team, right? Make sure kids are having fun and make it about a team. You know, the whole reason people play is to have fun and it's gotta be bigger than the, than the individual. And then what's one message you try to instill in the kids who look up to you? I mean, you think about all these kids in the community that you get to interact with all the time and thinking back to when you were just that little boy looking for a little bit of direction and things. And I don't even know if you were bold enough to dream that you would ever start in the World Cup right. or play in the Champions League. You know, when I look at my journal, you could tell, like if I look at my seventh grade journal and you read it, you definitely knew like, you know, I was on a path. So what I tell and try to support 
people is really like, you know, I have confidence in them and they should, but you know, it's not necessarily, people don't like hearing this, but life doesn't get easier. Our ability to handle challenges does, right? And we got to work hard. Like if it's, if it's, you got to invest in it, you know, you got to make some deposits. So, you know, and, you know, I tell people nothing happens overnight, right? And I was a gifted athlete, but people don't know that I was, you know, running, you know, in a hundred degree sun and doing these things and skipping and not drinking at certain times and making sacrifices. Life's 70 to 90 years for a lot of people. So, you know, two, three years of investment goes a long way to stabilize you, to get you in the right company, to clear debt, to invest in yourself for some learning. So think about where you want to be, but also like it takes work, right? But if you can love your work, then it doesn't feel like it, right? And I think that's one thing people say, oh, I work too hard. I said, my favorite saying is, what do basketball players do in the off season? If I ask you, what do they do? They go home and they play basketball with their friends. No one says, hey, dude, like you're not getting paid anymore. Stop playing. Right. But that's their job. Right. So I just happen to be blessed that I found two jobs in my life that I love just as much. So I don't need anybody to pay me to show up, you know, to play or to do what I love. And so I don't look at it as work. You know, I have a job now. So I work duties. But the things that I do are the things that, that I want to do, that inspire me, that uplift me. And so I would just challenge everybody to like learn to love what you do. And even if it's by appreciating the people that you work with, you can learn any job by making it about the people and the rest of the team and creating that culture. Well, Tony, I had a blast talking to you. Thank you for making some time for this conversation. Appreciate you so much. Thank you for your service and your friendship. And um, I look forward to being back on the show someday. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any questions or comments, please visit my website, seankjensen.com and go to the contact page. You can even leave me a voice recording. And of course, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap. Whether you're a coach, administrator, or brand looking to reach the youth sports community, TeamSnap connects the world of youth sports. Visit TeamSnap.com or download the TeamSnap app from your app store. Until next time, I'm Sean Jensen.